one week from tonight. She wants us. She definitely wants us. Us? Why us? Adolescence. It's never a pretty sight. You were always kind of my hero. It's getting kind of warm. And... We could go swimming. Whoa. We, we don't have our bathing suit or anything. And, and besides, heaven. Who needs a bathing suit? When it came to maritime operations, I was definitely out of my depth. Uh, the season premiere of The Wonder Years in one week. Hey there, Wonderlings. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I'm doing something a little different. I am re-releasing an old episode from last year, Labor Day. I just thought, why not do it? It's Labor Day today. You guys don't have to search through the archives of past episodes. That way, it's right at the top for you. And, of course, the episode I'm talking about is Season 4, Episode 1, entitled Growing Up, which aired on September 19th, 1990. This IMDb synopsis. With the end of summer approaching, the Arnolds decide to attend Jack's Labor Day work picnic. Well, actually, no. Norma decides for them, because none of them want to go. Like, no, I'm not doing that. She's like, oh, we're going. We're going. (laughs) She's the only one that is enthused. Like, we're doing something together as a family. This came up. This is what we're going to do. When it is learned that Jack was passed over for a promotion that goes to one of his rivals, don't you just hate it when that happens? I mean, that's that's probably just as bad as, say, if you were passed over for a promotion and it was given to a a friend, co-worker. Tensions grow high between him and Kevin, who wants to prove that he is no longer a little kid. Well, because Kevin is all like, no, I want to play in the softball game with the with you guys and everything. And Jack is like, well, no, this is actually for us men, the adults. Because he even tells Kevin, like, you're going to be killed out there. You're not doing that. But Kevin's like, you know, I'm going to play in the softball game and you're not going to stop me. Like, oh, I can stop you. I'll lock you in the car. <laughs> but anyway, also, um... Somebody makes an appearance. You know, I'm going to go get the booklet. Because when I did this originally last year, I didn't go through the booklet. And I want to take this time to do that. So, got the booklet. Ran all the way upstairs. And I didn't run. But I got it. Here we go. Oh, here we go. Okay. This is what the booklet synopsis is. As summer comes to a close, it's time for Jack's company picnic, causing him fear of bumping into Mr. quote-unquote Deadwood Detweiler and Kevin bumping into his tomboy daughter. The featured song, Forever Young by Joan Baez. And here's a quote from Kevin. That summer of 1970, my brother bought a car, my sister was accepted to college, and I French-kissed Winnie Cooper under the bleachers at the 4th of July fireworks. Things were changing. Sometimes it seemed like the whole world was exploding with new ideas, reaching out for new experiences, seeing through new eyes. 
Also, I don't know if I mentioned, uh, this episode actually has an 8.5 rating out of 10 based on 104 ratings. We got some trivia for this episode. Punky Brewster was on this episode as Mimi after after she finished her series. This was actually probably put in by a fan because Soleil Moonfry played Punky Brewster. And it should say Soleil Moonfry was on this episode as Mimi after she finished her series. Here we got some goofs. When Wayne and Angela oh God, leave the picnic table, Kevin heaves a sigh as they walk away in the background to the right and off screen. After the view returns to Kevin from Norma, Wayne and Angela are back in the middle of the frame. And Kevin heaves the same sigh again. That's kind of weird. When Kevin is playing softball with the adults and hits Jack with a softball... Jack is holding the right side of his head. Later, when Jack shows up at the dock, his left side is bandaged. Well, maybe he had a concussion. Well, he would definitely have a concussion. Getting head, hit in the head with a softball? Yeah. Kevin falls into the lake, but moments later he is getting a beer, which his father takes away, and he is completely dry. Well, I don't know. The soundtrack, we got Layla, written by Eric Clapton, performed by Derek and the Dominoes. When I'm 64, written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney. It's Oh, it's instrumental, okay. Snuffy Walden and Co. Goodnight Irene, written by Lead Belly, uncredited, and John A. Lomax, uncredited, American Folk Standard. Forever Young, written by Bob Dylan and performed by Joan Baez, which this plays at the very end. It's a beautiful, beautiful ending to the season four opener with someone's filming a home movie of Karen get packing, you know, they're packing up the car and Jack is taking Karen to college. And that was a very sweet ending to that. So... Also in the booklet, uh, booklet here, they have Spotlight... Sp- Why can I not talk today? Spotlight on Soleil Moonfry. She was seven years old when she got the part, and her show, Punky Brewster, was on primetime TV for only two seasons. But for some fans, Soleil Moonfry will always be the adorable orphan who charmed her way in a, into America's hearts during the mid-80s. Well... Seasons 3 and 4 of Punky Brewster were later aired in syndication. Fry appears in The Wonder Years as Mimi Detweiler, a former tomboy and Kevin admirer turned voluptuous teenager. I think that wasn't called for. While on a boating excursion together, she suggests they go skinny dipping. But before she can shed her top, because she actually grabs the bottom of her shirt and slowly starts to pull it upward and that's when of course Kevin fell over. He is literally man overboard. An impromptu cold shower. Her acting career continued in TV and films and she added the titles of screenwriter and director to her resume. Mimi and Kevin made a nice couple if only for a few minutes on screen. Um 
Kevin's dating Winnie at this time. We see them at the beginning of the episode. He mentions that he French kisses her for the first time. They're a couple. So anyway, and the fact that they put in here voluptuous, this would have been before Soleil Moonfry had her <clears throat> breast reduction. So come on, guys. Just be a little more understanding. I'm sure she was in a lot of pain. So I believe this quote from IMDb is actually towards the end of the episode, and I'm going to read that. Growing up is never easy. You hold on to things that were. You wonder what's to come. But that night, I think we knew it was time to let go of what had been and look ahead to what would be. Old, uh, other days, new days, days to come. The thing is, we didn't have to hate each other for getting older. We just had to forgive ourselves for growing up. That is a beautiful, beautiful quote. So, that being said, guys, enjoy this re-release of this episode. I hope you enjoy it a second time through and have a great Labor Day. And I'm thinking about it now. I might even re-release the Back to School episode later today or tomorrow. So, um, be on the lookout for that. All right. Bye-bye. And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Hey there, Wonderlings. Happy Labor Day. I hope you are all having a great holiday weekend. And, well, welcome to September to fall, to sweater weather, to falling leaves, and of course, pumpkin spice everything to which I am a fan. I'm your host, Angela Bowen, and I thought in honor of Labor Day, I'd review Season 4, Episode 1, entitled Growing Up, which aired on September 19, 1990, and because it is a Labor Day-themed episode. Welcome to Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. So let's jump right into this episode. In this episode, with the end of summer approaching, the Arnold's dis- Arnold family decides to attend Jack's Labor Day work picnic. When it is learned that Jack was passed over for a promotion that goes to one of his rivals, tensions grow high between him and Kevin, who wants to prove that he is no longer a little kid. All right, let's dive right into this episode, which starts off with season four, the summer of 1970, 14-year-old Kevin gives a rundown of the events of that summer. Wayne bought a car, Karen was accepted to college, and Kevin French-kissed Winnie Cooper underneath the bleachers during the 4th of July fireworks. All right, so in season four, Kevin and Winnie are officially now, they have become a couple, and they've started dating. Gotcha. All right. Now I know where their courtship has officially begun. All right. Now we move on to the boys gawking at some girl at the local community pool. And when I mean boys, I mean Kevin, Paul, Doug Porter, who we will later meet in season three, even though I'm reviewing season four, we'll see him more in season three. And newcomer Walter, who's got a Brooklyn accent. I don't think he's around for very long. He's in maybe three or four episodes this season. I think that might be it. All right, this said girl undoes her 
bikini top as she glances up, noticing the boys as they all too obviously do an about face and turn around. Hormonally charged Walter flat out says, she wants us. She definitely wants us. Us? Why us? Paul asks, confused. Walter takes some ice out of Paul's cup and tells him that his plan is to drop the ice cubes onto her back, of course, while her bikini top is undone so they can see her boobies. Kevin tells him it'll never work. And that's, of course, when Wendy comes up asking what'll never work. I pointed out to Jeremy when I was taking notes. The sign behind Winnie's head says maximum pool capacity is 536. So 536 people can fit in that pool at once? Alright, that's way too many damn people. I wouldn't want to be in a pool with 100 people in it, let alone 536 of them. The other guys just stumble over their words, trying to come up with an excuse, and Kevin says, just says, nothing. He then asks, to, you know, do you want me to walk you home? And she says, sure. Aw, I like Kevin and Winnie as a couple. Can you imagine waiting four seasons, four years for these two to finally get together? Well worth it, I'd say. I mean, think about it. When this show aired, it aired 1988. 1990 is when they finally got together. Kevin and Winnie walk home and... Uh, Kevin tells us that since Winnie moved, it's given their relationship a little depth. And now she was wearing his ring, which I believe he offers her at the end of season three, which we haven't gotten there yet. I'm planning on review, uh, doing season three in October, but I'll talk more about that at the end of this episode. They shared everything and he offers her a piece of gum. Kevin asks Winnie if she wants to go to the movies, to a movie later, and she agrees. Well, let's see what movie they maybe would have seen around Labor Day of 1970. So I had looked up the movies that played in August in 1970. Here are the two choices that they could have seen. Diary of a Mad Housewife, uh, I doubt that, or Lovers and Other Strangers, which I believe was a comedy. So I'm guessing they would have gone to see Lovers and Other Strangers because it's comedy with Cloris Leachman. Hey, who wouldn't want to see that, right? Winnie is so DTM down to make out, especially when Kevin mentions. Then after the movie, basically, like, hey, you want to see a movie? She's like, uh-huh. And then he's like, and after, she's like, uh-huh. Yeah, she knows. She knows what that implies. <laughs> In the next scene, we see Wayne driving this yellow piece of shit jalopy with its muffler smoking, then backfiring, and then it kind of reminds me of John Candy's character Uncle Buck in the movie Uncle Buck, that he, he used to drive this piece of crap car that would backfire and it sounded like an explosion or a gunshot going off. Wayne pulls into the driveway as Jack is leaving like, getting out of his car. And Wayne gets way too fucking close to Jack's bumper. Like, mere inches from it. Good thing that's not a pinto, am I right? <laughs> Jack yells at Wayne, Damn it, Wayne! What the hell are you doing? Seriously, like, Wayne, don't park that piece of shit in my driveway. So apparently Wayne's supposed to show his hair has grown out. 
But this looks more like major 80s mullet for the 70s. Like, it is, it looks fucking fake as hell. They have Jason Hervey wearing a fall or hair extensions. It looks so nasty and gross. Wayne replies to Jack, uh, driving? And Jack asks, driving? Where? To the graveyard? Kevin walks up the sidewalk with his bike, witnessing this exchange. Kevin tells us the dog days of summer set in early this year at the Arnold household. I love Jack's last retort before he heads into the house. He's like, the only thing you're driving is me nuts. Jack walks into the kitchen as Norma hands him a mug of something, maybe vodka, and he tells her, I don't want to talk about it. And then Karen goes to ask him something as she flips through a college course catalog in her hands, and he goes, I don't want to hear about it. Most likely, he's had a shit day at work and just wants to chill for a bit. He needs to take his me time. Wayne then comes through the door and Norma levels him with a hard stare, asking him, what happened? Wayne just shrugs and says, beats me. Wayne goes to grab some chips out of the cupboard and Wayne tells Karen to beat it because she's in his way. Like, you're hogging the chips. And she's like, I wasn't even touching the chips. She, You know, he had just pulled them out of the cupboard. She was nowhere near these damn chips. He's just starting to start. He's just trying to start something. Classic brother, sister. I'm going to bug you because I can or because I'm bored and looking to see how far I can push you. At dinner that night, there's a new face at the table. Wayne's new girlfriend, Angela. And what this girl puts... Oh, what this girl puts away food-wise rivals her big head of frizzy hair. Good golly, this whole family looks at her like, Damn, girl, when was the last time you ate? Do you have a hollow stomach or maybe a tapeworm, perhaps? Everyone's expression is a pure disgust, even Norma's, which is surprising because she usually gives everyone a fair shake. So this actress, I looked her up, her name is Meredith Scott Lynn. I only recognize her from the one, one thing I recognize her from is the movie Legally Blonde with Reese Witherspoon. And this girl, Meredith, plays Enid in the Legally Blonde movie. She is one of Elle's study group partners who has frizzy hair and glasses. To change the subject, Wayne brings up how Kevin and his pals, his buddies, were drooling over Marsha Mullaney at the pool. Okay, seriously, where does Wayne get his information from? How does he know this? Was he at the pool? Because he said he heard it. Like, really? Okay. Must just mean that Kevin's got a better social life than Wayne does. Kevin tells Wayne to shut up, and then they get into a shoving match behind Angela's back while she keeps just shoveling food down her throat, oblivious to this. I'm guessing she might not get a lot of food at home. Karen tells everyone that she's picked out her college classes. All right, when does college start? If she's going in the fall, shouldn't she have already had them chosen in, like, maybe May? I don't know. I mean, this episode takes place over Labor Day, and then she's going to be leaving, like, the following Tuesday. Those classes have got to be all filled up by now. All right, here are her classes that she wants to take. Afro-American history, Hindu philosophy, Navajo art, sexual politics, and, of course, English 101. So out of all those classes, only one of them is a basic course. Wouldn't she have to get her math, English, and all her regular general ed classes out of the way first? 
Jack just looks at Karen, mouth agape in shock. Norma kind of reprimands him like, Jack, before he can really fully react to it. He flat out tells Karen, I'm not paying for that. And she tells him, you already did, Dad. And she smiles at him. Well, I believe, you know, in the 70s, it was still a man's world as far as the work industry was considered. And she may as well just take some classes of interest until she knows what she wants to do with her future. Angela asks Jack if he's going to eat that, indicating the three soft carrots currently residing on his fork. He pulls the close the fork kind of closer to himself protectively, like, mm, no, no, these are mine. You can't have them. Now we move into the living room where Jack, Angela, Wayne, Kevin, and dog Buster are cramped on the couch. We have not met Buster yet. We will meet him in season three, though. Gift from Grandpa Arnold. No, too bad they don't have a sectional couch. That would probably solve all their problems. I mean, a sectional couch can fit, like, up to eight people. So, it's after dinner, and Angela is now stuffing her face with the bag of potato chips, the same bag that Wayne, I think, pulled out of the cupboard earlier. Kevin complains about, do we have to watch this? Wayne asks, what's wrong with it? And Karen mentions, I hate it. And then Angela pipes up, how, I like it. At this, Karen uses the remote to turn the TV off. Wayne decides to use this as an excuse to take off with Angela somewhere, but Norma stops him, telling the family, you know, we should get away for the holiday weekend and do something. You know, it's Labor Day. Norma tells him, you know, since Labor Day is on Monday, why don't we all go to Jack's uh, picnic, his Labor Day Norcom picnic. Jack just looks at her like, huh? Really, why would he want to see people he sees five days a week? It's a holiday weekend. On my weekend, the last thing I want to do is think about work or anything work-related or see people I know from work. I just want to leave work at work. Norma tells him they haven't been in such a long time. Well, you know what? There's probably a reason for that. I think, you know, you haven't been in probably 10 years or however long. There's a reason. He doesn't want to mingle with the people he works with. He just wants his weekends for himself. Karen tells Norma, you know, I'm leaving for college on Tuesday. And Kevin adds, you know, I got a date. And then Jack, of course, you see him kind of nudge Wayne, who basically, yeah, me too, I got a date too. Norma just looks at them, not convinced, and she tells them flat out, you know, I think we're going to go. We're going to go. Like, you have no choice in the matter. What I say is we're doing this. On their way to the company picnic, Jack's got his eyes on the rearview mirror as he sees Wayne behind him all over the road, with his car constantly backfiring and swerving here and there. I'm surprised there is no other traffic behind them. That car is clearly not meant to be driven without being looked at by a mechanic first. It's a death trap. I feel bad for the girlfriend who's probably going to have to throw up from the motion sickness from the car constantly swerving from side to side. Jack tell, or Norma tells Jack she's excited to go to the picnic and, you know, see the old gang again. And Jack scoffs like, like who? I noticed Karen is reading the Harrod, H-A-R-R-A-D, Experiment by Robert H. Rimmer, which I did look up on Goodreads. It's a new, it's a book about a new age experiment. That takes place in the 1960s at a Harrod College, a privately endowed and liberally run school that admits carefully selected students. 
<clears throat> the social experiment encourages premarital living arrangements and is totally committed, not mere lip service or public relations hype, to get to getting young men and women to think and act for themselves. Well, it seems like something that'd be kind of up her alley. I mean, she's reading this to gear up for college life. I've never read it myself. I, I only just noticed the book she was reading. Like, I'd never heard of it in my life. I know the book Fangirl by Rainbow, Rainbow Roll, a young adult book centers about a girl's freshman year at college, which I, I haven't read that yet. I've had it for the last few years, but I have not read it yet. Hey, at least there's plenty of room in the back seat for Kevin and Karen to kind of spread out without them all being sandwiched together by Wayne. Norma asks if Charlie Wilson from accounting will be there, and Jack tells her that he retired. So she's like, well, what about Al Fanella, who had that lovely wife, Nancy? And Jack tells her Al was sacked or let go. Then she brings up, what about Ed Berwitz? Jack says, dead. Maybe Norma should just stop while she's ahead. Jack mentions Detweiler will be there. Harry Detweiler? Karen pipes up, and Kevin tells us that Detweiler is the office clown, the guy who is big on hand buzzers and whoopee cushions. Kevin refers to him as Mr. Deadwood. This gets a laugh out of Jack, a much-needed laugh. They all laugh about this. Kevin asks if he still has that stupid laugh. And Norma brings up the time that Detweiler came to the office Christmas party dressed as a reindeer. Jack laughs at the memory of how his nose lit up, and then Kevin mentions about how his tail caught on fire. This has everyone in the car in hysterics. Now we see the Norcom Industrial Annual Picnic. They're all laughing, having a great time after pulling into a parking spot until Wayne sours Jack's good mood by running into Jack's car. How, how in the hell does this happen? Jack's in a parking spot, and Wayne's car, what... Basically backfired, causing him to lose the control, I'm guessing, and swerved to the side, basically on his fashion passenger side door, which is what hit Jack's bumper. What in the world? I'd break that kid's ass if I were Jack. I feel bad for Karen and Kevin being in the back seat. They got the brunt of the impact. When Wayne hit the car, that impact of that hit pushed it for the car forward, jolting Kevin and Karen. Let's hope their backs aren't going to be in traction. Jack examines his taillights, which are basically shot to shit. Thank you, Wayne. Let's hope he doesn't get pulled over on the way home later that night. Wayne climbs all over his car trying to avoid his dad's wrath. His girlfriend must be embarrassed. Like, what the hell did I see in this dingbat to begin with other than a free meal ticket? Now we're treated to a flashback of Norcom picnics from years past. We see the sign for Norcom Picnic 1960, bring family and friends, games, basically underneath it says games, food, and fun. So Kevin's got to be four, so this has got to be like ten years ago. Kevin's got to be four, Wayne six, and Karen eight. If it is ten years ago, earlier, basically. We get to see little Eric Lloyd playing young Kevin again. Aww. And we see Jack enjoying some brews with the co-workers. There's hot dogs, soda, and the family playing in the potato sack race. The family playing baseball together. And finally, the Arnold family sitting down at a picnic table enjoying their food. Now we flash forward to present-day 1970, where everyone is sitting at a picnic table having a lousy time. 
The first thing we hear is a buzz of flies, but Angela's got no qualms as she chows down on an ear of corn. Karen, of course, is ready to book it out of there, asking, can we go now? But Norma tells her, you haven't even given it a chance. Karen complains how it's crowded, it's noisy, I hate it. Yeah, I'd be right there with you, Karen. The one time I went to my work picnic, probably, I think it was April of 2016, I was over it by the time I got there. It was cold and windy. We basically ate our food. Then when I found out I didn't win the raffle, we got the hell out of there. Luckily, the picnic took place only 10 minutes from where we lived, so we didn't have far to drive. So I'm looking at this now. I'm seeing, uh, that looks like a Pepsi can that Angela is drinking from. A close-up shot reveals that it's sugar-free. She takes a swig from the can, sets it down, and then swishes it around in her mouth like it's mouthwash. I just drink it like a normal person. I noticed Karen brought her book with her. Way to represent bookworms everywhere, Karen. Bookworms always bring a book to a social gathering whether they end up reading it or not. I brought my book to my visit to the emergency room in case I had to wait long, which I didn't, but my book was like my security blanket. Wayne decides to take off and yanks a still-eating Angela from her seat. Yeah, Wayne, I'm sure she wants you to interrupt her feast time to go make out with you. Gross. Jack asks Wayne where he thinks he's going, and Wayne tells him, uh, for a drive? And Jack levels him with a hard glare and starts grumbling. Wayne quickly decides, uh, a walk? Someone at the next table, excuse me, asks Jack if he wants to play in the baseball game. This piques Kevin's interest, envisioning him and his dad on the same team, the Arnold men blowing away the opposing team. Jack tells the guy, okay. Jack breaks Kevin's spirit by telling him that he's not included in the game because he can basically get killed out there playing with a bunch of grown men. Tells him, you know, maybe next year. Well, I'll take that as a never since Jack doesn't even want to come, didn't even want to come this year. Karen looks at Norma and tells her picnics are for fascists. Here's the definition of that word fascist. An advocate or follower of the political philosophy or system of fascism. Uh, Okay, I guess. I don't fucking know. Kevin decides to take a walk, and as he's doing this, he passes by Mr. Detweiler, who's flipping the hot dogs on the grill. This guy is very much the jokester that Kevin made him out to be, as Kevin goes to shake his hand, and then Detweiler pulls his hand out of the... out, leaving the oven mitt in Kevin's hand. Kevin has a good laugh. Detweiler jokes about Kevin getting hair on his chest. Yeah, that's not pervy at all. I know, guys. It's all good fun. Detweiler asks Kevin if he remembers his daughter Mimi, who Kevin remembers as a tag-along tomboy. But to his surprise, Punky Brewster herself, a.k.a. Soleil Moonfry, comes charging up. Now, this was in 1992 years after Punky Brewster had wrapped wrapped up. And before she got her best, uh, I cannot talk. So I think this was right before she got her breast reduction. I, you know, I feel bad that she had to go through that. All that pain and torment. Kevin is taken aback at the sight of her because he was probably expecting a stick-thin girl probably wearing a baseball cap and cut-off jeans and a baseball jersey, typical tomboy look. But no, Mimi is a stunner, a knockout, and while Kevin tries to collect his thoughts and remember his name, she asks him if he likes boating. 
Remember, Kevin? Remember, Winnie? You know, your girlfriend? We find the two of them in a rowboat. Apparently, Kevin's never operated one of these before. By the way, he's flailing those oars around wildly with no real direction. Not to mention, his arms are going to be dead for the ride back. Does she know how? I mean, maybe she could give it a try. I know Kevin being a guy wanting to show off for a pretty girl, but you guys are going to end up without those pedals before too long. Mimi's really into this as she smiles across the boat at Kevin, saying how nice this is being out on the water. And Kevin, being a nut, is still trying to figure out how these damn oars work. I'm just like, leave them there, Kevin. Just take a break for a minute. A minute. A minute. Mimi takes this moment of awkwardness to praise Kevin in her hero worship, putting him up on a pedestal. She tells him she always thought of him as her hero, and I'm thinking... But you're, like, the same age, unless she's supposed to be younger than him, because she doesn't look it. I did look them up, Fred Savage and Slay Moonfry. They are actually the same age, but he's 27 days older than her. But it's basically whatever. Kevin decides to bask in the hero glory, and she tells him how he must have thought she was a pest when they were younger. And he just shrugs it all, like, nah. Mimi then lets it slip about the promotion Jack was up for actually went to her father. Now he's the vice president of the whole company. It went to that joker? But what do I know? I mean, he could be a real savvy business guy when it boils down to it. Or he could have just gotten lucky with a case of it's basically who you know and not what you know or how long you've been with the company. Kevin, at a loss for words, tells her they should head back since that news pretty much destroyed whatever happy time he might have been having until that little ball was dropped that little bomb was dropped. In all the confusion and Kevin trying to maneuver those damn oars again, they detach from the boat and fall into the water, leaving them adrift. Mimi suggests they go swimming, and Kevin looks at her when he he we don't even have our suits, and she smiles slyly. Hands going to the bottom of her shirt. I'm like, whoa, girly, I know you probably have that tomboy mentality still, but please leave that shirt on. Tomboy or not, you're still a girl with breasts, and they are grown men all over the place here at this picnic. How would that look for Kevin? Dell may think he, that he's Kevin's taking advantage of a sweet little girl. What about Winnie? What would she think of Kevin in, in the boat or in the water with a topless teen girl? At that idea of breasts and nakedness, this causes Kevin to fall out of the boat. That water looks so gross. We see Kevin bent over fishing for a beer out of an ice bucket, and after pulling one out, some guy comes over and takes it to him. Thanks, kid. Looking at Kevin there, you'd never have known he fell in the water. He doesn't look wet at all. How much time has passed since that incident? I noticed some of the men wearing hats with the, the an N on them, and one guy is wearing a Norcom t-shirt, too. Wayne grabs some beers, I think, and heads over to his girlfriend, who's busy making eyes at some blonde bombshell of a guy, trying on his sunglasses. Kevin again roots through the ice bucket for another can of beer, pulls one out, and just stands there looking over at his dad, who eyes the beer in Kevin's hand, walks over, asks him, what the hell do you think you're doing? 
with that can of beer. And he takes it from him. Then to add insult to injury, Jack turns to his work buddies, jokes about, hey, guys, my son, the beer drinker, get a load of this. Then he turns back to Kevin and tells him, hey, just stick to ginger ale, all right, buddy? I'd be like, yeah, sure, when I'm sick. But then again, I, I myself tend to lead towards 7-Up and saltine crackers. Why do they have that tub of ice filled with beers on the ground where any child or underage teen could help themselves to them? The guys all have a good laugh at Kevin's expense, and then Kevin shouts at Jack about how I'm going to play in this softball game, and Jack, and you're not going to stop me. All of a sudden, the laughter stops, and they just stare at him in an uncomfortable silence. Kevin just looks back like, eh, maybe I said too much. Then we see Kevin standing in the batter's box as the ball smashes past him. One of the men asks if Kevin is okay, and Kevin just shakes it off. Then Jack calls time, time. Basically, he decides to pitch to Kevin himself. Jack then throws a floater underhand. Jack, he's not a little pussy baby. You can throw it regularly. Kevin just takes a nap as the ball takes its precious time arriving to him. He doesn't even bother swinging. He's so embarrassed. The men all have a laugh at this, and when Jack tosses another soft one, Kevin catches it with his hand and goads Jack into throwing a fast pitch, taunting him, saying, What, you can't throw any better than that? Well, that took the smile off Jack's face fast. Kevin continues his berating of Jack's pitching skills, telling him to give him something to hit. Then Kevin hits Jack where it counts when he brings up dead wood. Like, hey, why don't you throw me something better than dead wood, or instead of dead wood? This being a sore spot for Jack, who has passed on the promotion for Detweiler. Jack's face looks like he's about ready to beat the shit out of Kevin right in front of everybody there. At this, Jack lets the pitch fly, and then we hear the crack of the bat connecting with the ball, and Kevin takes off running the, the bases, paying no attention to the men running to the infield or the pitcher's mound. Even Norma's expression as she grips the chain link fence is concerned. He, Kevin just keeps passing those bases until he slides into third base, then he gets up and looks around, noticing, you know, wondering where everyone is. He notices... Excuse me, everyone crowded around Jack, who took the hard hit to the head. Jack is, whoopsie. Jack is laid out on the ground like he's unconscious. Poor guy. I don't even know what a baseball can do to a person when it hits him square in the head. I mean, Kevin is by no means a professional baseball player, but Jack wasn't wearing a helmet. Well, I mean, none of them were, but Jack finally sits up with his hand to his head, and Norma looks straight at Kevin with concern, like, how could you do this to your father? Kevin walks to home plate, then decides to take a walk to clear his head. Now it's dark when Kevin comes back from his walk, and he mentions how he got stung by a hornet. Is that karma for hitting his dad in the head with a ball, I wonder? He spots Wayne skipping rocks while sitting on an upturned boat. Kevin asks where Angela is, and Wayne looks at him telling him to Shut up. So in Wayne speak, that means he got dumped. All right, I want to play this clip between Wayne and Kevin because even though I laughed, it was a little funny, the little quips, I felt a tender brotherly moment between Kevin and Wayne. So I am going to play that and I will be right back. 
Which I guess was Wayne's way of saying he'd been dumped. I can't believe it. I'm sorry. Eat it. Why do these things always happen to me? Maybe it was the cry of every kid who'd ever put on long pants, who'd ever had his heart broken, who'd ever been disappointed. In any event... I know what you mean. For that one moment, I actually felt close to my brother. I'm out of here. It's funny the thoughts that go through your head in those moments before death. I remembered Winnie. I wondered who was going to feed my fish. Hi, Dad. As it turned out, though, Dad hadn't come to kill me. Guess you heard about that, Wala. I guess Dad wore long pants, too. It's okay, Dad. Lucky shot back there. Should have ducked. Don't ever get old, Kev. Wayne blames himself for Angela's desertion, but then shrugs it off saying nobody likes her anyway. And I'm all like, you got that right. For one thing, she ate too much and was probably using you for the free meals. What did Wayne see in her? Then we see Jack walk up and Wayne takes off. Kevin, of course, thinks he's going to die by the expression on Jack's face. We close out on the episode as the family sits around... The campfire singing. A nice end to the summer for the Arnold family. I don't know what song they were singing, but looking up the music info, it might be Goodnight Irene. I just looked it up on um, YouTube, and I, I think that's what it was. Then we get the song Forever Young that kind of takes over by Joan Baez. And my tears were already prickling with... My eyes were already prickling with fresh tears. We see Karen leaving with Jack, to take, who's going to take her to college. She goes over and hugs Kevin and then Wayne. My goodness, guys, the tears, I just could not stop. They were overflowing. She then hugs Norma and tells her that she loves her. I never heard her say that before. 
Then it goes into home video mode, complete with crackles and black lines running through the screen as we see Karen get in the car and blow a kiss goodbye and a final wave to the family as Jack drives off and, the, and Norma, Wayne, and Kevin all wave as in the driveway. Wayne actually puts an arm around Kevin's shoulder. I've never seen that before. What a sweet, brotherly moment. All right, that's the end of the episode, guys. Wonderlings. Goodbye, Summer. We'll see you in 2018. All right, here's my Flower Power episode rating. I am giving it five out of five Flower Power petals. One for Kevin and Winnie, who are officially now a couple. Yay! Two, Soleil Moonfry makes an appearance. Yay! Three, a car ride where laughter can be heard from the Arnold family, minus Wayne. I think that helps. Four, Kevin and Wayne brotherly moment, as well as Jack and Kevin share a nice father-son moment. Five, tearful goodbye as Karen leaves for college. The tears, guys, were real. They were spilling from my eyeballs. I couldn't stop them. All right, now on to my wonderling words of wisdom. All right, if you guys try to sneak a, if you try to sneak a beer three times and fail, maybe you should just quit because you're a teenager and you shouldn't be drinking anyway. Kevin, although I wanted to talk when I was 14, I once got a beer from my dad, popped the top, and took a quick swig before I handed it to him. Yeah, the expression on his face was like, what are you doing? You are too young to be drinking a beer. All right, a family member, uh, I can't talk. A family member who either leaves for college or moves away can bring a family together, if only for a brief period of time. Wayne and Kevin put their quarreling aside to say goodbye to their older sister. My quote of the episode. Jack, don't ever get old, Kev. Narrator, I wasn't sure whether he meant me or him. I guess we both knew it didn't really matter. We didn't have a choice. Growing up is never easy. You hold on to things that were. You wonder what's to come. But that night, I think we knew it was time to let go of what had been and look ahead to what would be. Other, other days, new days, days to come. The thing is, we didn't have to hate each other for getting older. We just had to forgive ourselves for growing up. All right, let's say hello to some new wonderlings of the week. Some new listeners, wondering listeners, Sacramento, California, Bakersfield, California, Albuquerque, New Mexico, London, United Kingdom, Austin, Texas, Malakoff, France, Mount Sinai, New York, I'm sorry if I mispronounced, Muskegon, Michigan, Manchester, United Kingdom, Baltimore, Maryland, Medford, New York, Riverside, California, Lancaster, New York, Mountain View, California, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, Polska, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> Polska, Poland, Bandung, Indonesia, St. Petersburg, Florida, Converse, Texas, Nashua, New Hampshire, Mexico, Mexico, Jakarta, Indonesia, Honolulu, Hawaii, Tokyo, Japan, Overland Park, Kansas, Egypt, Spring, Texas, and Hudson, Florida. And to all you other listeners out there, thanks again for listening. I want to give a sincere thank you to all the listeners out there, whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening 
platforms that you use to hear this podcast. I love giving you the episode recaps of the Wonder Years every week. Joining me as I go into full detail as we reminisce of days gone by with Kevin and his friends Paul and Winnie and the rest of the Arnold family, as well as giving my occasional running commentary and childhood stories. To stay connected with the podcast, you can go to SoundCloud and visit the links there. That will take you straight to my Facebook page, Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, Instagram, LBOM Wonder Years podcast, Twitter, Wonder Years pod. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. All right, after this, after um, September 5th, which I will be doing a three-episode back-to-school special of the Wonder Years, where we see Kevin start 8th grade, ninth grade, and 10th grade. After that, I will be taking a long break in September, and I will start Season 3 in the beginning of October. I will start, I will be doubling up on episodes, so you will be getting season 3, episode 3, Wayne on Wheels, which aired on October 24th, 1989. This episode focuses on Wayne finally getting his driver's license, but he doesn't like the idea that along with this driving the car, he has a new job of driving Kevin and Paul around. Alright, and the next episode, of course, after that, will be Mom Wars, which will be the second of the double episodes. So I'll be doubling up on Season 3 so I can finish that before December, take the month off to release the Christmas episodes, so that way in January I will start Season 4. Alright, Wonderlings, have a wonderful holiday weekend, have a great week, and I will see you in October. Stay tuned for this Tuesday for the three-episode Back to School Wonder Year special. Alright, bye-bye.